are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? My name is Scott Bentley, and I am your new host here at Locked On Tigers. I am so excited. I am so pumped. I'm I'm oozing with excitement. I'm having a blast interacting with you guys on social media and stuff. I, I cannot wait. So this show will still be three segments. It'll still be the same format. And I have a lot of ideas for stuff, but we'll get into that later. The three segments today. Segment one is going to be all about me. I And I promise that will literally never happen again. So I apologize, but I think it's really important. I think it's important for listenership and for listenership for, for you guys to feel comfortable having me in your ears for the next however long that you know who I am, you know who I'm all, what I'm all about, stuff like that. I, I think that makes for a more, you know, I, I want this to feel like you and I are just whatever, shooting crap, talking about the Tigers and, and just talking about baseball. And it is going to be informative. It's going to be professional. But I think it's important for listenership to know who you're listening to. That's all. So segment one, much to my dismay as Mel, I don't like as well. I don't like talking about myself. It is going to be all about me. Segment two, we will finally get in to the Tigers. Matt Manning, obviously that's the big story from Thursday. Uh, and Otani and all that. That'll be segment two. And then segment three, we're not going to touch, honestly, on the Saturday and Sunday or the Friday and Saturday games too much. Uh, we'll uh, we'll go into them, you know, standouts and stuff. But as a whole, not a, just really bad baseball being played by the Tigers. Sunday, though, Mize Day, obviously going to talk about that. And then some roster moves were made that uh, by the time you're listening to this, you have obviously uh, absolutely heard about. So let's get right into it. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021. And it is my first show as host of Locked on Tigers. Again, my name is Scott Bentley. Uh, I want to kick this off by saying thank you to Chris Castellani. What a what a amazing foundation he has laid for this program. He made my job so much easier to come in and take over a show that he did so well on for for a while. Uh, I will forever be grateful for him for for recommending me for this position as well. Um, and he is obviously on a great track and, and doing what he loves. And I could not be happier for him. Chris has a, become a good friend of mine over the years. Love you to death, brother. Keep making dents. Keep doing you. But just to start off, just thank you to Chris for, for making such a good foundation for this show for me to take over. Okay. On to Scott Bentley. Um, you are talking to someone who has, uh, or listening to someone, I should say, uh, who has been a diehard of this team his entire life. And I know a lot of people say that, and that's, that's you know, you would probably hope that the person who uh, is going to host your daily podcast about the Tigers uh, is, is a diehard fan. But, I, I mean, since birth, I, I, don't, I do not remember my first Detroit Tigers game. People are like, oh, tell me about your first game, whatever. I literally don't remember it because uh, I grew up there, basically. But, uh, but I kind of like it that way just because, again, it kind of just shows that I've always been at downtown. I've always been involved with the Tigers. I've always been at Tigers games. I- I'm hoping that that kind of shines a light just on how often I go. I also keep score at every game and have since I was eight. I have a stack in my bedroom of, uh, of every scorecard that I've ever kept. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. It's it's actually kind of fun to go through. I'm kind of thinking of how I can make it a segment. Um, going through, you know, some 2011 game that I went to when I was 13 years old or whatever and going through like a box score that day. I don't know, just spitballing. I've been trying to think of a lot of ideas, but but that is that is me. That is the Detroit Tigers are are not I'm not hosting a Tigers podcast with other things in this world that I am more passionate about. Truly. You are you are listening to someone whose biggest passion in life is baseball and the Detroit Tigers. And that is could not be more true. I have other passions. I love music. I love rap. But truthfully, <laughs> I love sports. But my biggest passion is quite literally the Detroit Tigers. So that is the person that you are listening to. That's, that's you know, people make fun of me all the time. Your biggest personality trait is a sports team. Yes, it is. And, and I don't take shame in it. Look where it's gotten me. I'm now hosting a podcast, but it is, that is a fact. That is true. My biggest passion in this world is the Detroit Tigers. With school, uh, I struggled in school, in middle school and high school, um, because I would do <laughs> – I, I would either watch the Tigers uh, when, when school overlapped with baseball season instead of doing – actual school work. And then during the off season, um, my dad loves to tell this story of one time I was struggling in math class and he came home and uh, asked what I was doing because I was on my laptop on an Excel spreadsheet at the time. I think I was in seventh grade. Um, and I was not doing my math homework because I was doing, I was crunching advanced analytics that were not uh, as widely available yet. The formulas were, but they weren't on like websites yet. Um, this one in this story specifically, I think was runs created, but regardless, um, I was trying to manually crunch advanced analytics instead of doing my homework. So that is, again, that is the person, uh, that is your new host. That is, that is me. That is, if I had to pick one story of, of who I am, that is probably as close you can get as summarizing it in one story. So, um, my, like I said, truly my biggest passion and, uh, my growth in, I guess you would say presence on social media over the last year, almost exactly a year, uh, actually it might be exactly a year, almost to the date here, um, either give or take a week, um, has been a lot. Uh, I did not use my personal Twitter that I've had since whatever I was a freshman or sophomore in college or in college, in high school, actually, uh, eight or nine years ago, didn't really use it, only followed people that, uh, that, you know, I went to school with or whatever, just tweeted about random stuff. And then I had like burner accounts basically that didn't have my name or face on them or anything to talk about. I had one for every Detroit sports team. Actually, I had one for the Tigers, had one for the Pistons, the Wings and the Lions. And about a year ago, uh, in the middle of lockdown, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and said, if this is really what you want to do, you got to start making the takes yours and not just some, you know, random at Bob 7326 uh, with no face on Twitter. So I stopped using all of those other accounts uh, that, that I had made to, to whatever, try to seem more credible and tried to make myself credible. 
And so I made, started making videos. Like I said, I, I'm close with Chris. Uh, and that's something that obviously got him a lot. And people are hilarious. They're like, oh, you sound just like you're a knockoff Castellani or whatever. Chris and I are good friends. That literally makes me laugh. I take that as a compliment, actually. Thank you. Um, so the first video I ever made was almost a year ago to the date was a reaction to the NHL draft lottery in which the Red Wings had one of the worst teams of all time and got the fourth pick. We fell as far as we literally possibly could. Uh, I made a video reacting to it and it was very difficult for me. I, I have had, I know Chris is very open about his, um, mental health. And that is something that I'm a big advocate for as well. And I have struggled with, uh, with anxiety and depression immensely in my life. And the anxiety in that moment to what, where you have been hiding behind whatever random Twitter accounts that don't have your name on it for all your opinions forever. Uh, and then you decide, you know, that that first video gave me so much anxiety. I, I, it took me about 80 takes to make, but I decided that, you know, again, this is what I want to do. This is what I am going to do and posted the video. And the second it said, your tweet has been posted. I threw my phone under my bed and went on a mile walk because I literally could not take or, or, or I didn't want to be in the room when people reacted to my opinion. I didn't want to look I didn't want to see people be like, you know, and it, it wasn't even like opinion based. It was just me saying, damn, like I'm pissed off that the Red Wings fell to four. Like it wasn't really even opinion based, but just the the concept of putting myself out there like that was so foreign to me at the time that, that it terrified me. And so that was a really big step for me doing that. And then I kept doing it. And then I got more and more comfortable putting myself out there. And Nolan Bianchi of, uh, of Lockdown Red Wings came across me. Uh, for those who don't know, I was the person behind Dahl to Detroit. That is me. And I, I probably should have said that earlier. Uh, but if you are someone who, uh, who remembers the Dahl to Detroit thing, it's like, where did that come from? It was me. I, I started uh, Dahl to Detroit and, and a group chat of, of a lot of us are the ones that pushed it. I'm, I'm far from taking all the credit for making it trending or whatever, but, um, uh, yes, that, that, is, that is me. That, that is, it was in my bio for a while. Um, but, but no longer. So that's me. But like I said, Nolan Bianchi came across me through, uh, through the Dahl to Detroit movement and really advocated for me to be on the lockdown network. There wasn't really an opening in the Detroit area, um, but he said, you know what, I will take him on as a co-host, and then the Lockdown Red Wings is, is for those who don't know, Nolan Bianchi's the, the host of um, Lockdown Red Wings, and so they onboarded me, and I became a co-host of Lockdown Red Wings, I believe in March, I want to say it's been four or five months now, um, I don't think that Matt added up, but you get the point. So, uh, so then I started doing that, got even more comfortable with a mic in my face and, and, you know, on camera and such, uh, and, and they've been great and got me used to reading ads and, and all that stuff. So now I have several months of that under my belt as well. And, and I just feel like the timing of all this is, is beautiful and, and, and honestly perfect. I, I think that a year ago, if you would have told me that this is a position I was in, the, the anxiety ridden me, and I and trust me, my mental health journey is, is far from over. I I, I still have 
uh, quite a lot that I want to continue growing on and improving on about myself. Uh, but the steps that I have taken, I am very proud of. Um, and that's why we're here. Now we're here. That is that that gets us to present day where I have taken over at Locked On Tigers. So I, I just I think again I just really think it was important for everybody to know who I am, what I'm about, what kind of my background, where I come from, and you will get to know me obviously uh, plenty over the coming weeks and months. But I I just think that it's really important for you to kind of get a background on me. If you disagree with my takes, that is absolutely fine. Plenty of people do. And, and I, the one thing that I advocate for is just be a nice person. Uh, you know, it caught, it's cheesy, but it costs no money to just be nice. So if, if you disagree with me, that is absolutely okay. I love having debates and conversations with people going back and forth and hearing the other side and, and, and trying to convince the other person that, that I'm right. Or you trying to convince me that you're right. That is beautiful. That is awesome. And that's what makes uh, one of the many reasons that makes sports so incredible. But, you know, you, you, just because you're on Twitter and you're not next to the person doesn't mean you have you, you can be a jerk for no reason. You know, so that's really the only thing I advocate for. Um, I, I love interacting with with the people that listen to, to my shows and my videos and stuff. It's awesome. Um, so if you do disagree, that's perfectly fine. Just know that. Even if you think I'm absolutely wrong, me being wrong does not come from a place of not watching this team, not caring about this team, or not knowing about this team. That is just different philosophies we have about a topic. Because I promise you, no one has watched more Tigers organization. I have I have a minor league baseball subscription, and when the Tigers, after the Tigers, before and after, the Tigers play. I am watching minor league affiliates of the Tigers every single day and have been for years. When the Tigers have off days, that is also what I do. I promise if you disagree with something I say on here at any point, it will not be from me being not informed. That is just the one thing I want to pile home. It is It is not going to be because I didn't see something, because I didn't watch something, uh, because I, I, you might think I not know, I don't know what I'm talking about, which is fine again, but I promise it is not going to be because I am not informed about a topic. That is, that is really the only point I want to drive home. All right. That's enough about me. I will never talk about myself more literally ever again. I, I cannot stand talking about myself to be completely honest. Um, but we will get on to the tigers here. After this break, first, I got to tell everybody about Freshly. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly, it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week and take the pressure off you. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door with no cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week. So you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store altogether. Ordering is easy. Visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like the steak, peppercorn, or their chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. 
And now our listeners can try Freshly for just six sixteen per meal. Stop searching the internet or Google or whatever. Healthy foods near me every night and just start living your life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and are ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made nutritionist design classics right to your kitchen right now. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash locked on. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash locked on for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash locked on for $40 off your first two orders today. Next, I got to talk to everybody about Wealthfront, stonks, memes, rocket ships. Day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth, and make it to the moon, you should open a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data shows that investors that trade individual stocks actually underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone, so team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over 20 billion with a B dollars of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do all the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB and get started today. All right, we are back here for segment two of the Locked On Tigers podcast. We're going to talk about Matt Manning because he debuted Thursday, obviously, as you know. Matt Manning, man, one of the advertised to to hacken back three-headed monster pitching rotation that this organization has tried to 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 make the label as the future, as they should, because it is the future. Um, but there has been no shortage of advertising on uh, on those three on the Mize Manning and Scooble train for for honestly years now, for since Mize was drafted, really. Um, and Matt Manning finally with his MLB debut. Now, situationally, uh, I don't think the Tigers wanted Matt Manning to make his debut on Thursday. But our IL situation is something special. It's it's truly a sight to behold. And, and no, I'm not going to come on here and be one of those, oh my gosh, if we were healthy, we'd be good, because that's just not true. This roster is still a far ways away from being competitive. But, I mean, I'll be darned if it wouldn't help a little bit. You know, like, I, I mean, the, the IL situation is truly remarkable uh, with how many people we have hurt at the moment. Um, they went into this season 
signing Tehran, signing Urania, signing guys to make sure that Matt Manning would not have to debut sooner than he was ready to. And, uh, and yet here we are with Matt Manning having an eight ERA in AAA debuting before the all-star break. That is certainly, I can almost assure everybody listening to this, not how the front office drew it up, but here we are. And honestly, he looked great. What a, a solid start to an MLB career. And honestly, I I was kind of nervous that, um, not nervous, I guess, because uh, again, with our IL situation, whatever, but. Um, I really thought that he was going to come up for one start and then kind of get sent back down. Um, but Boyd got on the IL and we're being told that Turnbull could be out a little bit longer than just one stint on the 10 day. Uh, so he's making another start on Wednesday. Uh, he's staying up in the show, which is kind of exciting. And, and he earned it. That was, he, he looked really good. Uh, three pitches were really featured the fastball, the slurve, I guess they're calling it. I think it's more of just a curveball, but I guess he, he at one point he tried, he had a curve when we drafted him and then he tried to incorporate a slider. And then I guess over the years, uh, those two different pitches have really just morphed into one pitch. And now he just has kind of, they're calling it a slurve. Uh, th- there wasn't a big enough difference between the two for, for him to really have those two different pitches. So he's just got one and it, the bite on it was as advertised. We've been hearing about the Manning curveball really since he's been drafted. It's been one of his most, it's been easily, honestly, his, his most highly advertised pitch. Everyone's been talking about it for a while coming out of the draft. It was uh, very highly graded by scouts. And the thing moves, the thing dances like a ballerina. Okay. It's, it's, it's a very solid, has a good bite to it. Good pitch, obviously has a long ways to go with the location of it. However, as a first MLB start, and again, as I stated earlier, I've seen all of his minor league starts this year. It looked good. It looked good. And it looked, uh, I would say it honestly, a bit more than it has in a lot of his minor league starts. And that that's great. That really encouraged me a lot. And I, I think should encourage a lot of people. The fastball was like all he threw. So we're going to go to that next. He quite literally was in love with his fastball. Uh, and you know what? If he was getting rocked, I would have had a problem with it. But one of Chris Fetter, just the goat, by the way, one of his main philosophies is we're not doing the, the we're going to set people up thing. We're, we're, you know, the Rick Anderson, oh, we're going to. We're going to do this and this and this to try to set people up for for your put-away pitch. If they're not hitting it, keep freaking throwing it because Chris Fetter doesn't overthink things. He is just damn good at his job, and he knows it. And that is such a good philosophy. Get ahead with your good pitches. Make them hit it. Force pressure, especially as a rookie major making your major league debut. The last thing you want to do is just walk everybody and miss the zone a million times. Pound the zone. Trust your stuff. You got to the bigs. And and you know what? He It was a ridiculous percentage. I think it was a higher than 70% of all the pitches he threw were fastballs. A Again, preposterous percentage. But it worked. And he had a really, really solid outing personally. I would have liked to see him go out for the sixth inning, but I totally understand why they did not. And I am not losing sleep 
over the decision. But a final line for Manning of five innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts on 77 pitches. Man, like, so I sent out a tweet on the Lockdown account saying, you know what, rate, give a letter grade for his debut. How do you think his debut went? And and some of you guys, let me tell you, some of y'all have really high expectations. I was seeing some C's in there. I was like, what, what are like okay that some of y'all just re- really think that dudes should come up and, and be steven strasberg in their debut um i i think this was an a minus i gave it an a minus i thought it was exceptional he clearly has work to do he clearly wasn't a steven strasberg debut where he was just phenomenal off the rip but he kept us in the game when we went up to bat in the sixth inning after his day was done we were down two runs and we got to run back that half inning he kept us in the game. That's all you can really ask for out of a kid making his major league debut, no matter how highly touted of a prospect he is. So I was incredibly impressed. The changeup, he also needs to throw more, I think, because he pulled the string on a couple of dudes. Um, obviously, the location, I think, was the the command, rather, was the biggest problem for the change, and I don't think he's too overly confident with it yet. Uh, but I'm hoping that he does and he keeps working on it because that thing looked great. It really did. I, I was very impressed with his changeup. I think his changeup looked better in this outing than it has in a lot of his uh, outings in Toledo this year. The fastball, some people are expecting a little more velocity. Uh, that is where he has kind of rode velocity-wise in that that. I don't even know how to upper low nineties. Does that make sense? Like 93 to 95, 92 to 95 range. Uh, That's where he's kind of sat all uh, minor league season in Toledo. The impressive thing about the fastball is the movement on it. It's not a straight pitch. The thing it, it's not quite a cutter. It it doesn't move that much, but it moves just enough where it kind of has a tail on it. And that is, awesome. I love four seams that don't just go straight or, or fastballs. I should say that don't just go straight. And yeah, I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Um, we can break it down more on, uh, on tomorrow's show as the Tigers will have an off day on Monday, but just my initial thoughts and reactions, just a, a, a great and an awesome first outing for Matt Manning. I was very happy. The defense did him zero favors. The outfield defense specifically, Daz had that kind of lollygag play, and then he did it right back to them later, so that's kind of cool. But just, uh, uh, yeah, this defense is horrible. And and this is one of my biggest pet peeves with this rebuild and this team. You will hear me talk about it in the next segment when I talk about Wilson Ramos. You will hear me talk about it often. I cannot stand how horrible this team is defensively, and this team is horrible defensively. Uh, the bullpen is also the worst of the American League. Um, pretty comfortably, ERA-wise, uh, bullpen war-wise, it's I think they were tied for the worst. This bullpen's not good outside of Gregory Soto, and uh, hopefully Michael Fulmer can kind of get back up there off the IL now, so hopefully he can provide some valuable innings too, but this bullpen is, is not good. It imploded the entire weekend. We will get into that on the other side of this break. But first, I have to talk to everybody about Built Bar. I am a massive Built Bar fan. Uh, it's it's one of the things that uh, that that I have accredited Locked On for um, immensely is getting me on the Built Bar wave. If I wasn't already as a listener before I was a host, by the time I became a host, I was already set 
talk about Built Bar as much as they needed me to because it has quickly become my go-to lunch, and uh, I, I love it. It's a great snack. It's a great quick lunch if you don't have time to grab a full one. Uh, there are nine delicious Built Bar flavors. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter brownie because I love peanut butter. I get that from my mother. I am just anything peanut butter I am going to love. The peanut butter brownie is by far my favorite. Back in March, the Bill Bar kind of had like a, a March madness. All the all the fans of Bill Bar voting on their favorite um, flavors and such. And, and people are very passionate about their favorite Bill Bar flavors. Uh, the turnout for that was really good. Uh, and, and I was pulling so hard for the peanut butter brownie. Um, and, and the cool thing is if you haven't tried all the flavors or if you haven't tried any of the flavors and you don't know what you might like, they actually have a mixed box, which is also I love to get, where you just get two of each of the nine flavors sent to you, and then you just kind of get to pick and choose and figure out what you like, figure out what you don't like. So the next time you order, you can order all, anything you like. And and the cool thing as well is that there are also special limited time flavors that they tease and drop every once in a while. So keep your eye out for those. But not only are Built Bars the best tasting, they're healthy too. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. And, and the limited time flavors are, are around the same health value. They are so good tasting and so healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or, or that peanut butter brownie, whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off your first order. That is promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, everybody, we are back for segment three, the final segment of my first episode of Locked on Tigers. Again, thank you guys so much for uh, for listening and tuning in. It really means the world to me. Also, just in advance, because I am still the host at Locked, a co-host at Locked on Red Wings, um, I will inevitably, I've already had to catch myself a couple of times. This is episode one. Undoubtedly. I will say at some point, locked on Red Wings on here. Just just don't give me too much crap for it, okay? I'm, I'm juggling two in the same city. I do both every day. So just if, if, I, if I fumble and accidentally say locked on Red Wings on here, I didn't mean it, okay? Well, just, just move on. Laugh with me. I'm definitely going to laugh about it as I re-listen to it and have to edit it and be weird about it. If I miss it in the editing process... Just just laugh and, and don't be too mean to me. All right, segment three. First off, I want to start with some roster moves that were made. Uh, Wilson Ramos, DFA'd, and then since being DFA'd, no longer on the 40-man, no one else wants him. He is now out for release and will just be an unrestricted free agent and go anywhere he wants. And as far away from this team is fine with me. Look, I was never a fan. Of this signing, I was pretty vocal about not being a fan of this signing. For those who have followed me on Twitter for uh, since that signing was made in the off season, um, I uh, I never liked it. 
I don't understand why on earth it ever made sense in a rebuild that is built around young pitching. Mize and Scooble in the majors. Manning is now up. I know they didn't plan on that, but he was close, right? Maybe a September call-up or a post-trade deadline, whatever. Spencer Turnbull on a make-or-break year to prove, you know, three years of team control still in his late 20s could be part of the future of this team, should be part of the future of this team. That's a conversation for a different day. As well as Matt Boyd, who you want to raise his trade value as much as possible and not screw up again and not trade him like you didn't do in 2019. In a rebuild and a team that is so much built around pitching, you went and got a horrible defensive catcher and a horrible pitch framer. Make it make sense. You will never convince me that that signing made any sense. I think they literally just looked around like a month before pitchers and catchers were supposed to report or whatever, weeks before, and they were like, all right, well, we still don't have this position filled. Uh, who's left out there that we can get for as little money as humanly possible? And no other team in baseball wanted Wilson Ramos, so he became a Detroit Tiger. That is my theory. I will stick with it forever because if you use actual logic, it makes no sense to why we ever signed him in the first place. So th- as you can see, it's, it's, it's probably very clear that I was never a fan of the Wilson Ramos signing. Nothing against him as a person. He was hot for the first whatever month of the season. I don't even know if it lasted that long. The first three weeks of the season, he swung a hot stick. One, honestly, won us some games probably with how, uh, how, how good of a stick he was swinging there early in the year. Never changed my opinion on him. Never. I, I, I thought, okay, maybe we can actually trade him for something if he stays hot. Then he the bat went away too, and he became like a, a mid to low 600 OPS hitter that also was horrible at defense. I'm very happy they did this. He can go wherever he pleases. Hopefully he, he gets a job somewhere because I would hate for him to kind of end that career on that note, but just not here, you know? Okay, enough about Wilson Ramos. Nico Goodrum to the IL. As you're listening to this, obviously you know about that because Isak Paredes played on Sunday's game. Uh, started at shortstop. So, uh, so yeah, Nico has had a very interesting year. A very interesting year. He has just made it abundantly clear that we need a shortstop. I, you're going to learn a lot about me in <laughs> these first few episodes and my opinions and stances on, on, on things with this organization. And one of them is that if we do not get one of the big shortstops this offseason, my faith in this rebuild will drop exponentially. Like, like so much that I'm... I'm not going to go as far to say as I won't believe in this rebuild, period, no matter what, if we don't get a big shortstop. But like as close as you can get to that without being it is probably where I'll be at. My opinion of this rebuild will plummet if we do not shine a shortstop this offseason, okay? Nico Goodrum can be a utility man, whatever. If you want him to be Romine in present day when this team's good again, fine, whatever. He's not an everyday starting shortstop. Anyway, on to the rest of the weekend series. Uh, I know this episode's running long. Just, uh, you know, my first one, I have a lot to throw out there. 
Uh, and, and like I said, tomorrow with an off day, I will get to express a lot of my opinions. You can get uh, to know me even better uh, and kind of know my, my opinion on, on current things within the organization better. Um, as far as wrapping up this weekend series, I don't even want to talk about Friday and Saturday. Like I said, last segment, not good games, nothing really noteworthy, honestly, like no, like top prospect pitchers, none of the like cool pitchers pitched and, uh, and the offense wasn't great. So let's move on to Sunday's game. We avoid the sweep. Great job. Great job, everyone. We avoid the sweep. Phenomenal work. Mize on the bump. I didn't think he looked that bad, personally. Now, was it the best game he ever pitched? No. Far from it, obviously. The command uh, kind of wavered at points. The The thing with him is the stuff is coming along, and the stuff is honestly there at this point. It, it, it's, it's phenomenal. His pitches are great. The efficiency is is the lingering thing that he still kind of needs to develop to take that next step of like okay you're like a really solid pitcher to like hey man this is an ace it's just the efficiency he still goes really deep into a lot of counts he didn't even walk he walked what one person his walk numbers aren't even that bad it's not even anything like that it's quite literally just the efficiency of the at bat he tries to get people to chase when he's ahead in the count, but then he'll do it like three pitches in a row. Keep attacking, man. Keep that foot on the pedal. And he did it with Otani, but he didn't really do it with anyone else in the rest of the lineup, which kind of confused me. Otani, he went right after. Three straight high and inside fastballs. One, two, three. Three-pitch strikeout. See you later. He still needs to work on the efficiency for literally everyone else in in that lineup. His pitch count got a little high pretty early, um, made it five innings. Decent stat line again. And look, the, the Otani homer, man, the dude's unreal. The dude is a freak of nature. He is so strong. That ball had no business going 417 feet, and yet it did. And I always make the joke, you know, if anything's hit under 420 feet, I always say, oh, routine flyout on Comerica. That, that ball should not have even been a routine. That should have been a, a, a pop-out. That should have been a, a shortstop's ball or the center fielder coming in and making a catch. And he just muscled that ball almost 420 feet to dead center. Props to him. The dude's a, a, the, an MVP candidate. He, he's a freak of nature. We've never seen anything like him, truly, um, in, in the history of baseball. So props to him. You just tip your cap. It, it wasn't even that horrible of a pitch. Just, you know, Otani happens sometimes. Um, so really just pitch efficiency. That's what I'm looking for going forward. That's what I've been looking for uh, ever since the beginning of May is kind of when he kind of took that step and started pitching really, really well. Uh, so... I am very pleased with his start. Still needs to work on the pitch pitch efficiency a little bit. Uh, that's really the like I said, the last lingering thing that really is going to catapult him into being uh, like a top of the rotation pitcher for a really good team. The offense, really, this whole weekend, I kind of just want to clump it all together. Wasn't that bad, um, really at all. Uh, you know, three ish runs every single game. Not bad. That's going to win you some games. Uh, It's just, you know, we were giving up like seven plus the entire weekend 
up until Sunday. I'm not going to put too much blame on the offense. It's really hard to to string together good competitive at-bats when you're down like eight runs, okay? So I'm not going to put too much blame on the offense this weekend. Just a really bad pitching performance by pretty much everyone that took the bump except for Mize and Manning. This bullpen is horrible. Like I said, it's the worst in the American League. Outside of Gregory Soto, it is uh, not good. So that doesn't help when your pitcher gets blown up than having to go to the worst bullpen in the AL. Not a great tandem or a great recipe for success. Jonathan Scope deserves, and we'll wrap up on this. This episode has gone way longer than usual. Again, I'm really sorry. Just my first episode, I have a lot to say. Jonathan Scope has been unreal. And this is this is someone who I was not that excited when we brought him in in 2020. And I was not very excited when we re-signed him. He has torn the cover off the baseball the last four weeks. He has, And he got off to a really slow start. And I was like, why on earth did we bring this guy back? Just bring Isak up, throw him at second, whatever. Put anyone besides Willie Castro over him at second and I will be happy. He has been phenomenal. And he is, we are going to get something at the deadline for him. Now, I've seen some wild takes. I've seen some people ask me if if he can bring in like a top 50 prospect in baseball. That is not happening. We're not getting a top 100 prospect in baseball for Jonathan Scope. That being said, a month ago, it looked like he was going to join Ramos and get DFA'd. And now we might get like a B-level prospect for him, which is awesome. Joaquin Soria turned into Jacoby Jones, and while Jacoby Jones was not the answer at center field and may never put on a Tigers uniform ever again, he put he was a relatively productive, serviceable center fielder for years. And, and if we can get, obviously our, our sights should be a little higher than Jacoby Jones type of player, absolutely. But if we can get, a, a good, solid, above-average, serviceable major leaguer for Jonathan Scope, or we're going to get a prospect that turns into that, rather, I will be incredibly happy. Just go and get a B-level prospect that's like some teams, you know, whatever, 8th to 12th ranked organizational prospect, and bring him in and, and try to get a solid major leaguer out of it. Should he be an all-star? You know what? The all-star situation's really sad right now because um, I don't know if you've looked at the voting. There is no Tiger even remotely in the conversation for anything except for designated hitter Miguel Cabrera's like sixth or something. It's really ugly. And, uh, you know, I think, though, every team should have a rep- has to have a representation in the all-star game rule is stupid. But at this point, it's the only thing saving us from having no one even close to the All-Star game. So I, I guess, I, I don't know, man. Vote scope, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. Or Robbie Grossman. All right. Truly, thank you so much for sticking with me here and listening. Um, this means the world to me. Like I said, uh, any this is my passion. This is what I am most passionate about in in my life, truly. Like I said, you are listening to the thing that I am the most passionate about. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to all the people that have reached out and, and, and supported me through this uh, and supported me through the last year. 
Truly, it means the world. Thank you so much for listening to my first episode of Locked on Tigers. My name is Scott Bentley. Thanks again. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. And I will catch you on the next episode. Go Tigers, baby.